Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. This month, we're talking about three days that change the world. I am telling you, we're talking about the three most important days in the history of humanity and literally in the history of creation. And this is one of these core messages. This is one of these foundational things upon which you build all of the truth of your life. Every aspect of your relationship with God depends not only on what happened on the three days uh, that Jesus spent in the grave and in the, on the cross and the grave and in the resurrection, but what you believe about that. Now, I want to tell you something. You know, it, it, when you listen to the news media today, you hear a lot of a lot of uh, 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 this terminology, the fake news. Well, I want to tell you something. The fake news has been around a long time before today. And there's probably no place where there is more fake news than what the religious community has preached about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Or maybe it would be better to say what they have left out about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The Bible tells us in, in the book of Peter that we're receiving the goal or the end of our faith. <clears throat> in other words, in other words, our faith will bring us to or what our expectations are. And sadly, many of our expectations about what we have in Jesus uh, are so much less than what he actually accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, if you haven't seen the previous broadcast in this, you might want to stop right now, go back, go to my website, impactministries.com, and go back under our Impact TV and look at, uh, at the previous two broadcasts, or you might want to finish this broadcast out and then go back and, and look at those, because I'm, I'm building, you know, uh, a scripture on scripture you know, to make sure that we get the right picture of this. Now, all of man's problems are, are, are in, in this world occur because it started in the garden when man didn't trust God and decided that he wanted the capacity to choose or determine good and evil for itself. Now, good and evil is bigger than just something being bad and, 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 and sinful or, or something being righteous, that sort of thing. Good and evil gets into any aspect of what is pleasant, what's enjoyable, what's beneficial versus what is destructive, painful, oppressive, deceitful, uh, uh, actually malignant is, is one of the terms for, for evil. And so what man decided that he wanted to be able to perceive good and evil for himself and then make his choice about what he thought would bring him pleasure, what he would bring him good in any spiritual, physical, monetary way. And so every, every problem in the world since the Garden of Eden has been because of man choosing to believe, 
choosing to do that which is in opposition to what God says is the best thing for us, is the, is the good for us. So it comes down to a matter of trusting God. Faith uh, as, is not just trying to believe for certain outcomes. Faith is not just trying to believe to get a miracle. As a matter of fact, that's more the fruit of faith. That's really not what faith is. Faith is trust. Trusting the character and nature of God, trusting that God is who He says He is, and because you believe His report about who He says He is, then then you can trust Him, as opposed to believing the fake religious report about who God is. Isaiah 53, which is one of the most definitive places and clearly identified places where we can look at what happened on the cross of Christ. Isaiah 53, 1 starts out with this question, who has believed our report. And that is the whole problem. God has given a report of himself. God has given a report of what he accomplished uh, while Jesus was on the cross, while Jesus was in the grave, while Jesus while Jesus was being raised from the dead and what Jesus did and what occurred whenever he entered into the heavenly holy of holies and was seated at the right hand of God. Now I've got to tell you, I have heard thousands of Easter Sunday messages about the resurrection of Jesus. I got to tell you, most of them do not include very much about what the scripture says Jesus accomplished. And, you know, like we talked about before, if, if we can't, you, you know, Jesus says he's going to be in the grave three days and three nights. The Old Testament prophesied he'd be in the days, in the grave three days and three nights. Uh, and if, if we can't even believe that Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights, and, and most people don't, they believe he died on Friday afternoon and was raised from the dead at sundown on Saturday because that's when, that's, that's when Sunday, what we call Sunday, the first day of the week began. So really, you're talking about one day and one night. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make that a monumental theological issue as much as I'm willing, as I'm just saying, we are willing to accept all manner of, of traditional, cultural, religious concepts and in opposition to what God said happened and how God said it was happening. Now, one of the biggest issues that we have is why did Jesus have to die? And of course, then what did he accomplish? And then last of all, what does that mean to me? And, and how do I access uh, how do I access it? How do I participate in it? How, how do I share in it? So I want you to understand something. One of the great questions we've got to ask, because, because what happened as a result of man choosing good and evil for himself, man then brought sin into the world. Now, sin, again, is one of those things that's bigger than just doing something wrong. Sin, which is a pathway to destruction, always starts with beliefs. Because all beliefs manifest in actions. You know, I was writing today in my new book, Heaven on Earth. And I was talking about, you know, how that faith work, faith without works is dead. And that works by, through works, faith is perfected. And of course, people, because of the language, and I understand, you know, they, they, they grapple with that and they don't understand how to relate to this because we have this idea of faith being this passive thing where nothing actually happens. But, but faith, is perfected, and that word perfected means to be brought to the goal, to be brought to the end, to be brought to the object of, of, of a person's faith. And so, and so when there is faith, whatever you believe 
it will always reach the end or the manifestation of the belief. So, you know, you can say all day long you believe certain things, but at the end of the day, you look at your life and you go, then why am I not seeing that fruit in my life? And so when people believe things that are not scriptural, they bring sin into the world, and sin, in, in a very general concept, is not about what you do wrong as much as it's about the fact that you missed the glory of God. You missed what God had given you. You, you have accepted and you're living in less than the quality of life that God has promised through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I, when I think about sin, I don't ever really think about wh what I did wrong as much as I think about how much of this is messing up my life, how self-destructive this is. So what we believe about sin is incredibly important. What did Jesus do about sin on the cross? What does the Bible say? It doesn't matter really what I think. And buddy, I, I hear some incredible incredibly limited opinions from people who have a, a sincerity. You know, I remember, I, I remember years ago, this is, oh man, alive, this is 30, over 30 plus years ago. Um, and, and one of my magazine, we used to, we used to have a paper magazine, you know, now we have, now we have a blog that goes out in place of the magazine every month, which by the way, if you're not getting that, be sure. And, uh, uh, actually the best way to get that blog and everything else that I put out for free is to download my free, uh, mobile app. Uh, it'll go on any mobile device you've got. And I'll tell you to keep you encouraged and keep you built up in the scripture every single day. And it's a, it's free. It's something we give to you as an investment. But back in those days, we had a paper magazine that I wrote and we, you know, had printed and mailed out every month. And I was talking about this very subject. And like I say, this would, this would have been about 1980, uh, 85, maybe 86. And, uh, and I talked about Jesus becoming sin. That's the that's question you got to ask yourself. What do I believe about what happened to Jesus in relationship to sin on the cross? Because what I believe about it is going to determine if I live in victory, if I live in limited victory, if I'm up and down and on and off, if I'm always a slave and struggling with it. What? Because you, you receive the goal of your faith. Faith always manifests in works, performance, behavior, functioning, you know, those things that you do in real day-to-day -day life. So, <clears throat> so the general religious idea is almost that Jesus kind of pretended like he became sin, or maybe sin was put in a little spiritual backpack and Jesus slipped that backpack on his back and, 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 you know, kind of, and he carried it in, in, in that sense of the word. Well, that's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us in Second Corinthians, I think it's 521, it tells us that, that God made him who knew no sin to become sin. In other words, Jesus was made to be sin. He didn't carry a little backpack to sin. And he didn't, you know, he didn't, our salvation didn't come about by the stripes that the Roman soldiers put on his back. Uh, his suffering wasn't that little trinkling of blood out the corner of his mouth that you see in these, in, in these ridiculous, uh, uh, paintings, you know, of, of the crucifixion. Actually, the Bible says he, his, he was marred beyond any thing that anybody had ever seen. And, uh, 
and that, that, that they just couldn't even bear to look upon him because, because he was so beaten and bruised. But all of those things that man did to him had nothing to do with our salvation. And so now I'm sitting on my couch and I'd written an article about Jesus becoming our sin and what that means to us. And I'm telling you, I heard this, I heard this frantic knock on my front door. Uh, it was about six, seven o'clock in the evening. And I go to the door and a guy had driven here for, I don't know, an hour or two from wherever he lived. I mean, he hopped in, he read the magazine, hopped in his car, drove straight here without stopping. I went to my front door and this guy's standing there. He's, he's shaking and shivering and, and and, and tears begin to roll down his face. And he said, how dare you say that my precious Jesus became sin? <laughs> I'm like, well, I was not, I'm nice. I was nicer to him than I'm being about it right now. But I want to say, you idiot, do you believe the Bible or not? It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you'd like to think. It doesn't matter what your mama thinks. It doesn't matter what your denomination thinks. What does the Bible say? Well, like I said, the New Testament, it says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin. Now, see, we do not understand the fact that Jesus became a man, lived a sinless life. And at the end of his life, he basically had to become everything that had ever and would ever separate anybody from God. And then he had to take on the curse of all of that. And, and he had to die the death that we deserved. And he had to pay the price that we would have had to pay. He had to use his faith to be raised from the dead. And he had to conquer sin, death, hell, the grave, the devil by his faith. And then he had to uh, you know, literally cast Satan out of heaven, uh, stripping him of all, of all power, of all rank, and of all right. And then by, by his faith, sat down at the right hand of God and received an inheritance. Now, any aspect of that that he did not do in our place, we would have to do ourselves. Isaiah 53, let's just read. We read some of these verses last week. But let's read them again. Verse 3, he is, he's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Surely, verse 4, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we, 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 we talked about the fact that the Hebrew word there for griefs and sorrows is talking about any emotional or physical sickness, pain, or suffering. And, it's, and, and he carried that, it says. He didn't, he, he, didn't, he didn't bear grief and sorrows for his sin because he had no sin. He bore our griefs and sorrows not just because he was carrying them in a little backpack, but because he had become our sin. And it, says, it, goes, it goes on to say, Yet we esteem him stricken and smitten of God, afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And remember, that word bruising in both the Greek and the Hebrew is the same as the word stripes. It's an, and, and Isaiah goes on to tell us that God bruised him with our iniquities. 
So he was bruised by God himself for our iniquity, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Now, this word chastisement is a different word than chastisement in the New Testament. The word chastisement in the New Testament talks about child training, and it's a kind of training where it's about, where it's about protecting a, a child's future and teaching them how to make decisions in the future, teaching them how to avoid the, these traps in the future. Uh, it, it has nothing to do with whipping, beating, and all that kind of thing. You say, well, what about the word scourge? Because in Hebrews, when it talks about chastisement and scourging, and the word scourge means to, stri- to, to beat, well, the word scourge can mean to, to beat, or it can, it can mean to lash with words. And you know what? Sometimes when God corrects us, it's like a lashing with words. Uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to speak the truth to us. We're going to resist it. We're going to get angry because we don't, we don't want to admit that we're not, you know, that we're resisting the truth. But it's never about getting beaten up. But here in the Hebrew, this chastisement was all of the punishment that we would have deserved, or you might say all of the consequences that we would have deserved had we had to bear our sins unto the grave. And he, he, he did it all. He bore it all. Why? Because he became our sin. But because he has done that, we have peace with him. That's why in Isaiah 54, it tells us about the covenant of peace, where God made a covenant with Jesus that, that he had never poured his wrath out on him again. You say, well, that's Jesus. That doesn't have anything to do with us. It has everything to do with us because when we get born again, we are baptized into the body of Christ. Therefore, we enjoy all the protections that he enjoys. We enjoy all the promises that he enjoys. We share in all the inheritance that he obtained. And so then it goes on to say, and by his stripes or by his bruising, we are healed. And listen to this next verse. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now that means it violently rushed upon him. This, uh, and I, you know something, there's no way to explain these kinds of concepts in, 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 in any language, I don't think. There, there, there's no way to grasp the idea that Jesus was without sin, but he became sin. There's no way to clearly identify what all of that really means. But I'll tell you one of the things it does mean is, and you'll see this in the scripture, is if he became sin, then he died a sinner's death and he went to the abode of the sinful in his death, or at least to, to the abode of, uh, of those that were alienated from God. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this scripture, but see, I want to tell you something. Right now, some of your head's already blowing up. And you're thinking, no, 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 can't be true. Well, then what do you do with these scriptures? Listen, this is one of the reasons. Let me just mention this. You know, we have a program called Operation One Billion where we are training leaders all over the world. We're raising up Bible schools all over the world because I want to tell you something. We don't want a limited gospel to go out into the world. We're doing this in prisons. We're doing this in churches in America. And we're doing this with individuals all across America. We are letting the Word of God speak for itself so that people can preach the gospel in its fullness. And instead of setting people up for failure by a limited gospel, we are sharing what Jesus really accomplished with death, burial, and resurrection. I'm going to tell you something. Because of it, millions and millions of people around the world are being reached. They're becoming disciples. They're falling in love with God. But we intend to reach one billion people. If you'd like to help us do that, go to impactministries.com. 
and check out Operation 1 Billion or check out becoming a world changer and financially helping us with this. All right, now let, me, let me go on. And by the way, that's not a departure from what I'm teaching about. This is why I'm teaching you this. And, it, and it's our world changers that pay for this broadcast that makes it possible for you to hear this for free. And you know something? You get to pay it forward if that's what you want to do. Verse 9 in Isaiah 53 says, He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. So everything that happened to Jesus on the cross was, was, was substitutionary. It was an exchange. See, reconciliation is where, is where one person pays the value for something and they obtain it in, in result for their payment. Well, God deemed the value of the human race to be the life of Jesus, and He paid that price. And Paul begs us, let me say, just because, because the price has been paid for the whole world doesn't mean the whole world is automatically saved. There is a, there is a grievous uh, doctrine uh, un of universalism or inclusion that's floating around saying, see, Jesus died for all, so all are saved. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul, after the resurrection of Jesus, was saying, he was saying, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you to enter into this reconciliation. And so, so when we choose to trust what God has done, we enter into that reconciliation, but we also enter into every aspect of the reconciliation. Listen to this, verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. Now, very interesting here. This word death is a plural word in the Hebrew language. It's not a singular even though the King James, most translations will present it as a, sing, as, a, as a singular word. It's a plural word implying that Jesus died more than one kind of death. He died a physical death. You know, and the Bible tells us that death is just basically when the spirit and the body are separated. And so, so Jesus died a physical death. But see, if the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is not about him being simply raised up from a physical death. You know, there had been people in the Old Testament that had been raised up from a physical death. Jesus has already raised people up from a physical death. That was not an unheard of phenomenon in the nation of Israel at the time of Jesus. But he died more than one kind of death. You know, if you think about death as separation, and you think about the fact that, yes, our sins have the capacity to separate us from God in our heart, then you realize that he also died a spiritual death. Not a, Spiritual death doesn't mean he had no spirit. It doesn't mean his spirit died. It meant that he experienced that separation from God. You know, uh, a really interesting concept, and, and, and somewhere in the future we'll be talking some about this. But the Bible tells us in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse, having become a curse for us. Now, in the book of Romans, uh, somewhere in Romans 6 through 8, I don't remember exactly where it is, it tells us that it tells us that uh, that he has freed us from or delivered us from the law of sin and death. Now, see, we read scriptures about being freed from the law of sin and death and being free from the curse of the law. 
And basically, we, we, we create this concept that is not reflected anywhere in the Bible, and very specifically not reflected in the original language. We come up with this concept that there is no curse anymore, and that there is no law of sin and death. So basically, you know, some people have reached the conclusion, so I can sin, and it's not going to kill me. But the truth is, sin is death. It's not that it's going to kill you. When, when we walk in sin, we are living in less than who we are and what we have in God. We are already abiding in a degree of death. And Paul warned the Romans several times not to be deceived that sin still causes death. This wasn't written to sinners. This was written to believers. Now, a curse is, is something not so much that God makes happen. A curse is when we get that which we want. And when we want what God has said will kill us, and then we default to the original sin. I'm going to choose good and evil for myself. I know God's Word said this and good, but you know what? I can be happy doing this. It's going to bring me pleasure. It's going to give me everything I ever wanted. And so, bam, we get it. And then suddenly, our life blows up. I mean, look at the children of Israel. That's our model. That's our example that we're supposed to be looking at. And we want to understand how destruction works. And, you know, in the wilderness, you know, they got tired of manna. Man, they, they wanted meat, wanted meat, wanted meat, wanted meat. They got it and they ate it until they, a disease broke out. Did God make the disease break out? No, not really. What made the disease break, break out was their gluttonous ways and probably their refusal to observe some of the health laws and how you handle and prepare meat. Uh, you know, the children of Israel, man, they wanted to intermarry with the Canaanite women, and, and, and they did, and, and, a, and a plague broke out. So, you know, our concept is God put the curse on them. No, actually, that plague was venereal disease. They got venereal disease from all of these immoral nations that were around them, and they suffered this plague as a result of it. You know, on and on and on, uh, dozens, if not hundreds of illustrations are very clear that the curse is when you choose what God warns you about and you then get it and then you have to, then you experience the fruit of it. Now, you say, well, I thought I was delivered from the curse of the law. I thought I was delivered from the law of sin. You are delivered from the power of it. But you still have a free will, and you can still make the choices. So you go on down through, through and you start realizing that, that Jesus died the death we deserve. Verse 10 said, It pleased the Lord to bruise him and to put him to sickness and make his soul an offering for sin. And you, you walk through all of these scriptures, and you have to ask yourself, what did Jesus really do on the cross? Well, I'm going to tell you what he did. It says he bore our iniquities. He poured out his soul to death. He suffered physical and spiritual death. He bore the sins of many, and thereby made intercession for them. Not intercession in the sense of praying for them, but becoming the mediator between man and God. Now listen, I want you to, I want you to read Isaiah 53 all the way through, every translation you can find. Think about it. Ponder it. Go back and read some of these scriptures that, that, that I made reference to. And it's time for you to make a decision because until you see and believe that Jesus literally became sin and died the death of the sinner, then there's no way you can know, connect, believe, or benefit from what he did 
in the time that he was in the grave and what he accomplished for us through his resurrection. This limited belief of the cross creates a limited fruit and power in our lives. I want to tell you something. Jesus died this day. As far as I'm concerned, if he's my Lord, I'm obligated to know the truth, believe the truth, and live and benefit from the truth because he paid this incredible, incredible price for it. Listen, I hope you're enjoying these, these Cyber Church broadcasts. And if you're in just a few minutes when this goes off, you're going to be able to take five seconds if you're watching uh, on YouTube and subscribe to this because that helps us reach thousands and thousands of people. You don't want to subscribe, at least like it. Be sure, again, to check out our website, impactministries.com. Got all kinds of tools and resources, especially if you download the mobile app. And we're going to be going farther than this next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.